We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Neil Wallace Bruce. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Corbett Durant, otherwise known as Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm amped. We got a wicked interview ahead of us here. That's right. We've got a guest from Mile High, from Denver, the Broncos legend himself, the albino rhino, Carl Mecklenburg, a six-time pro bowler. How you doing, Carl? I'm well. I'm doing fine. Pleasure to have you on. And you must be loving the start that the Broncos have to the season. We're recording this just for week three, but they're, they're 2-0. They're flying high. I am. You know, uh... Both were games that uh, everyone expected them to win, but yep. uh, some of those are the hardest games to win, especially early in the season. That's that's when surprises happen, and, and I'm I'm excited for the team. They're they're playing much better as a as a unit, and that's uh, that's what it takes. It's it's a it's a game of teamwork. That that's that's how you win. No doubt. And you were part of the training camp, weren't you? You were watching the team get ready for the season. Yeah, you know, I, I was down there a few times, sure. And it's 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 pretty hard to tell when you're playing against yourself. When you go down and watch practice and it's it's uh you know, the the defense is uh set up so the offense is supposed to notice what they're what they're not doing and take advantage of it. And it's until you actually play the games and, and tackle and hit and block and do all the things you have to do, it's, it's it is very difficult to tell, you know, what kind of team you have. No doubt about it. They're looking pretty good so far. Was it an obvious selection for them to go with Bridgewater over Locke? I think it was for this coaching staff. Okay. It was for this general manager. So you mentioned that uh, Teddy Bridgewater had worked with the current GM, George Patton. What else have you noticed from the new GM in the Broncos front office? Well, it seems like we have a little more depth than we've had. I I know he has uh, made moves trying to shore up the special teams, and that's been an issue for a couple years for the Broncos. He's a guy that that, uh, is going to make sure that the team has talent, type of talent that the the coaching staff can use. I'm excited about this team and and the steps they took in the the last couple years, but particularly this year that the draft was solid. Uh, free agent pickups were solid and and you know they, they've got a chance if they stay healthy and once again it's always the caveat <laughs> yeah if you stay healthy uh this team has a chance to to do well yeah and it's interesting that you bring up the the point of health because i was going to ask you as the former linebacker that you are there have been a couple of injuries to the linebacking core bradley chubb has gone down broncos have lost josie jewel unfortunately for this season by the looks of things he's gone to ir how important is it that the likes of von miller and the rest aj johnson and the rest of the broncos linebackers stay healthy it's it's paramount you know when you lose a couple guys at a at a position particularly josie uh josie was the guy who was calling the plays was the guy who, uh, making the calls in the huddle making the adjustments on the field getting everybody lined up uh, that's going to be a big loss for them they, they need somebody to step up and that's a tough job 
I remember when they switched me to that that position where all of a sudden I'm the guy making all the adjustments and and it took me a couple of years to really play at the same level that I had been playing ahead of time when I just had to worry about myself instead of everybody else out there on the field so that's a big loss and, and obviously uh, Bradley Chubb was a pro bowler was a guy that uh, was everybody was really excited about uh, him and, and Von Miller both being on the field at the same time and um, a, guy, a guy that uh, can rush the passer in any situation so so losing those two guys uh, and Bradley you know he'll hopefully he'll come back in six to eight weeks but uh, but the loss of Josie is, is gonna hurt now Carl you played all over the defense when it came to your time to be on the field. I want to know, for you personally, what was your favorite position to play? You know, I like the inside linebacker. At inside linebacker, you can uh, be involved in every play. Uh, you know, on the pass plays, you're you're in coverage. On the uh, on, on the run plays, you know, they, they can't run away from you. <laughs> you're there in the middle. A couple of times, uh, Dan Reeves had the idea that he wanted to have the Carl Banks, Lawrence Taylor kind of set up with me and Simon Fletcher. So he had me on the the right side and Simon on the left and they just ran to the left. <laughs> I never saw <laughs> got to make any plays. It was it was it was uh it was tough, but you can they can they can't they can't hide from you when you're in the middle. Now, defensively, there's some similarities to this current squad than there was in your day as well. What do you think about the safeties that are currently on the on the squad versus the safeties you played with? Now, I was going to just say, well, it's a, it's a different game. Um I played with Dennis Smith and Steve Atwater, and those guys were flat knockout punchers. I mean, they they intimidated from back there, and it's really hard to do in today's game. You can't. It used to be the idea was to knock each other out. They don't want you to do that anymore. You know, a lot of teams had one guy, but but we had we had one two punch. And I, I remember literally having running backs trying to fight for an extra yard, and me yelling at them, "Get down here, they come!" Because I, I don't want to get hit by Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I became a, van, a fan of the Broncos because of the de- defense first, to be honest with you. I mean, in the end, they had a great offense, but it was defensively first that drew me to that team. But you make a good point about back in those days, how it was really a full-out, violent, knockout-type game. You were part of the concussion protocol discussions, correct? I was. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was a tough situation. The uh, the NFL had not uh, let us know uh, the long-term effects of concussions. I had at least a dozen. My last year, I had three, and I was unaware that there were long-term effects. That that was not part of the discussion they had with us. It was, you know, can you see how many fingers? It's always two, so you say two, and you go back in. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> that was it. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bad situation. And, and, and I, I've lost friends to CTE and uh, yeah, there's uh, every time I lose my keys, I think, Oh, here, here it comes. <laughs> but, but I, I'm okay. Uh, I'm traveling the country doing uh, motivational speaking. I, I get up there and give an hour long speech, no problem. And things are mentally I'm, I'm all here. So that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. Uh, do you think that they've done enough to protect the players at this point or no? I think so. I think, I think you know, once again, these are grown men. It's their choice as to whether they're going to play or not um, with, with the information that's out there. Yeah, I, I, the game is as safe as it's, as it's ever been. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we hope that the changes that have been made will continue and for the better of the players that play the game that we love. Now, 
You mentioned before, Carl, that you were calling the plays on the defense. Just take our listeners into it because my understanding is that means you're wearing the green dot on your helmet and that means you get the plays from the defensive coordinator. Is that correct? Not when I was playing. Uh, When I was playing, it was hand signals. Oh, we had 120 different possibilities under Joe Collier, each that changed uh, week to week depending on our opponent. And yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there was no microphone. That would have been very helpful for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have dyslexia, which means I don't know my left from my right. And he would, he would raise one hand or the other, and I didn't know which hand he had up. I had my back turned trying to figure out which hand he had up. I, I, had, him, I had him switch the signals from up to up and down i know up and down the side to side i had a little trouble with but uh but yeah it was it was different the challenge really when you're in that position is just making sure that everybody is aware of what their assignments are and having they had me play all seven front defensive positions so i knew what the assignments were for everybody anyway so i guess it made sense for me to uh to be in that position but I, i had to make sure that uh Guys who weren't quite sure ended up understanding and getting lined up right uh, before the ball was snapped. So then I, instead of, you know, looking at the various uh, tells that an offense will give you, whether the the guard is leaning one way or the other, or the the back is lined up a little bit differently or whatever I used to to be able to see, uh, now I was just worried about my my guys. So I, I, I didn't have that opportunity to see that until I got comfortable enough in the position and started, started being able to do both at once. Right. And you mentioned that you spent time all across the box, all seven spots. You were ahead of your time in a way because we're seeing defenders like Isaiah Simmons, even a safety like Jamal Adams. They're all versatile. They can play deep safety. They can play in the box. They they can play off the edge. What are your thoughts on this new age NFL defender that can play multiple positions, much like yourself? Well, I I think it gives the coaches lots of opportunities to – game plan and and uh, put players in in a position that they want to be the way it usually works is you've got a substitute if you're if you're going to get a specialist in the game and make and make the adjustments uh depending on what the other team has um and and it's it's a game of chess if you time a, a football game from snap to whistle and leave all the other stuff out so just the actual action it's less than 10 minutes of actual action. The rest of it's all adjusting and, and substituting and moving around and trying to anticipate what the other guys are doing. So when you've got a versatile player, they don't know what defense you're in. I could go down in the bot, all of a sudden we got a four-man front instead of a three-man front. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm down with my hand on the ground and that, that changes everything as far mm-hmm. as the blocking combinations and what their game plan says they got to do. And, and I can, I can line up down and then stand up and all of a sudden I'm a linebacker instead of a a defensive lineman and all of a sudden their blocking situations all change and it, it it really gives the coaches a chance to really mess with each other more than anything else no doubt about it now speaking of giving the coaches a chance to to make some changes i see that michael kaiser has been signed with the practice squad for the broncos is he the next man up in the inside linebacker position or could we see baron browning get his first taste of nfl snaps this week you know i'm not yeah i'm not sure and i, I don't I, I was unaware that they signed somebody but i don't know what his uh understanding of coach faggio's uh defense is if he's somebody who's played for him before and, and understands the uh the system i think he'll he'd be a good choice browning has uh not really practiced very much he's been nicked up 
So, uh, so you know, I don't know if he's gonna gonna have that opportunity or not. It just depends on his, his health and and like I said, the other guys' understanding of the, of the defense. I'm gonna switch it up here for a second. I want to talk to you a bit about why it is you haven't found your way into the Hall of Fame. Now, I got a couple of theories on this, and a lot of it begins with West Coast teams. But that could just be me having a bias because I've always been a fan of West Coast teams. But it appears to me as though quite often players on West Coast teams get overlooked when it comes to the Hall of Fame. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think uh, maybe historically that's the case when most of the uh, most of the press at the time, you know, is is clustered on the East Coast. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not watching our games. They don't. They didn't see our games very much. Now, obviously, every game is played in every city and you know, around around the world. You can watch football at any time, anywhere. Um, you get you've got lots and lots and lots of exposure. There wasn't that much when I was playing, but I don't think that's really the reason. I think I think one of the biggest challenges I face is that that I played so many different positions. Yeah, I was going to bring that up second. Yeah, they don't they don't know what to they don't know what to call me. They, uh, I didn't. Nobody else did that. It was. If you look at my statistics, they don't match up with somebody who was a middle linebacker or somebody who was a pass rushing defensive end or somebody, you know, I mean, it, it just doesn't, particularly the statistics, I think is an issue. Well, it's not just that, Carl, but my understanding is the statistics weren't even collected properly back when you played. Is that right? Well, that's true. Um, when it, when I played, the, the coaching staff did the statistics and turned them in. Unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen during playoffs. Uh, if you made an interception or, or a sack, those were recorded, but, but tackles or tackles for losses or th- things like that, none of that was recorded. And if you look at my uh, my history in, in uh, playoffs, I mean, I, I played in 14 playoff games. That's, a, that's almost a whole uh, season. Yeah. But then again, if you're, if you're measuring me against guy, other guys during that time period, the same thing could be said for them. So, you know, it, it doesn't differentiate necessarily. I mean, and, and you look at, Right, I had seventy nine and a half sacks. It's a lot of sacks for an inside linebacker. Uh, it's not very many sacks for somebody who is pass rushing every time and his hands on the ground. So, it, trying to trying to um, trying to quantify what we did uh, against what other teams did really was was uh, is something that it's this hard to do. I can tell you that we went to the Super Bowl in eighty six, eighty seven, and eighty nine. All three seasons. Uh, I was healthy and, and played, uh, you know, through the season. The, the six games I missed in the NFL were in 1988. The Broncos were 8-8. Eight eight. There you go. Yeah. Was I important to what we did? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're in the ring of fame for a reason with the Broncos. And do you know if there's any move? I know we have pro football reference and statistic co- uh, collecting websites like that. Do you know if there's any movement to, let's say, retroactively collect those postseason statistics that have gone missing? You know, yeah, I, I'm not sure if there is. I know that uh, recently they went back and uh, and counted the sacks that players had before they started counting sacks. So guys like uh, Bubba Smith and guys like that who, uh, you know, were great pass rushers, but how, how do you measure their sacks again when they're not even not even uh, statistics? And once again, every every generation of football is a little different. This year, this uh, the last probably eight years uh, they throw the ball so much more than, than anybody passed the ball back back yeah. when I was playing. now you're going to add another game 
how do you how do you factor that into like i said i i, I had almost a whole nother season of stats well now they're they're going to have a whole nother game of stats every 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 player so yeah it's 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 a challenge. I, I, I'm glad I'm not a, a voter for the NFL Hall of Fame. Because it's, a, it's a tough. It really is a, t- a tough job. I, I look at the guys that that maybe did what I did. The guys like Kevin Green, guys like Junior Seau, guys like that that uh, were contemporaries of mine and, and thought in the same way as I was thought of. And they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it was uh, it it was a great time to play football. Man, um, the the great quarterbacks, the uh, great running backs, you know, the Franco Harris and the Walter to play um, week in, week, week out against the tremendous players was, was, was a great challenge and a great opportunity. And if you could pick one, who would be the toughest offensive lineman you faced? Toughest, probably John Hanna. Oh yeah. Yeah. John Hanna was uh, a tree stump, <laughs> was a, a very fast tree stump. <laughs> you know, he was, they, they used to run that, uh, that kind of college power sweep and pull both guards and pull back out front and the H back and everybody going around the corner. Usually as an inside linebacker, you kind of hide behind that, that defensive end and the, the guard wouldn't find you, but Hannah would find you and then bad things would happen to you. He was, he was a special player. Hey, Justin Williams here. Thank you for listening to our segment thus far. If you want to hear more or receive exclusive detailed information, don't forget to follow us on our social medias, such as Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters. You can also get directly involved with us through messaging. See you later. Granted, it's a different time now, and of course the game has changed, but do you think Aaron Donald could possibly be the best ever? You know, Aaron Donald... um is a great player and a great player in in today's game when you see a a great player they're in the right place they got the right defense around them they got the right i mean it didn't it it doesn't matter how fast aaron donald gets off the ball and 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 gets to the quarterback if they're not covering people the quarterback will get rid of the ball yeah it you know it, it doesn't matter if uh can just hold down his whole side of the line if they run to the other side of the line he's not gonna be involved so the great thing about is that it's a team sport. Yeah. We, we went to the Super Bowl one year. Sammy Winder was the only Bronco player to go to the Pro Bowl that year. And he was a he was a backup. He, he went in because somebody else couldn't go. But we were a great team. And that's that's what wins and loses games. It's not necessarily the guys that are, are, are just unbelievably gifted. Uh, and one unbelievably gifted guy can't win a football game. And that's, uh, that's the, once again, the, the, the exciting thing about the sport, the chess match of the sport the challenge of the sport is that that you need to have everybody on the same page uh it's it's why uh i think people are so attracted to the sport no doubt about it and i guess that feeds into my next question because what you're touching on is pretty much keys to success so carl i'm gonna ask straight up tell us a little bit about the six keys to success that you live by yeah, um, and these are these are things that I learned in, in football. I uh, I'm a professional speaker now, as you know. Travel the country doing motivational speaking. Talk about teamwork, leadership being the ultimate expression of teamwork. Uh, courage, the courage to try new things, and the courage to be decisive. Dedication, which I, I describe as hard work, constant learning, refusing to quit. Uh, desire, that's the dream, the passion, the mission, 
uh, honesty and forgiveness with yourself and self-evaluation and with others, and finally goal setting. Uh, reasonable short-term specific steps that get you to those desires, those passions, those missions. If you were to ask me why was uh, a guy who runs a 4940, 310th pick of the draft, uh, even being mentioned as as a possibility for the Hall of Fame, I, I would pick one of those <laughs> keys to success out and say it was decisiveness, the courage to be decisive, to take the first step in the right direction before anybody else does. That was my key. I was uh, able to do that, and and whether you are are talking once again, whether you're talking about football, you're talking about family, you're talking about uh, other relationships, you're talking about business. If you can take the first step in the right direction before anybody else does, all the angles change in your favor. Tight end can't pin you in, the guard can't cut you off, the fullback can't keep you from getting to the line. Everything changes, Uh, and that was that was what I relied on. The first mover advantage. Move first or finish last? There we go. There you go. Mate, I, I'm just looking at your stats because I, Kobe, I don't think Kobe knows this, but I'm actually pretty keen on the defensive side of fantasy, right? So if you were, if I was playing fantasy when you were around, you would have definitely been in my linebacker spot. <laughs> it's not, a, a guy who can tackle and get sacks, that's, that's money. Do, do you double in fantasy at all? Like, do you play? I do not. No. I, I, uh, I had a blast playing regular football, but no, I don't, Fair enough. I don't play fantasy football. Yeah, no, his numbers are ridiculous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you got to see it when Elway came in. We were rookies the same year. Yeah, John was the first pick. I was the 310th pick. <laughs> and you both equally made the team. We both were captains on the team. Uh, I played for 12 years. I think both John played for 16, something like that. But yeah, what a great guy to be on the, on his team. Yeah, what what was his leadership skills like in the beginning? Uh, in in the beginning. Uh, in the uh, beginning. Not great. <laughs> but, no? But nobody's are. No, no, nobody's are. He, he, he had been such a great athlete, such a dominant player his whole life that he didn't really, I don't think, under – understand the work ethic it takes to to play in the nfl to to be successful and coach reeds and uh the guys he was working with got him turned around where he was he was a great quarterback for many 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 years but it wasn't instant he didn't he didn't like walk in and all of a sudden take over the world he was a backup for uh for a lot of his first year and and you know great arm uh, uh, not necessarily the right decisions because he always just relied on the great arm. But he uh, he's such a competitor, such a intuitive leader. He understood the need to be connected with his teammates. He, he went out of his way to get involved in everything that was going on, whether it was, uh, you know, the, the Bible study uh, on Sunday morning or the guys going out to the bar on Saturday night. He was right in the middle of it all. John would sit down at a different table every day at lunch, and nobody else did. It was like a middle school lunchroom, right? Everybody's sitting at the, <laughs> at the same table, except John. John would move around, so he would, and he'd sit down and talk to you about what he knew about you, and and uh, you know, ask questions, and and it would always come back to what are, what are we doing here? You know, what 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 happened last week? What where are we headed next week? And just uh, just a, a great leader in many many ways. So when he came in the league, he already had his reputation to lean on. But when you came in the league, you were a relative unknown, correct? Yeah, I came out of the University of Minnesota my senior year. 
we won our first three games. It was the first year they moved in the Metrodome and uh, the turf was really bad in there at first. They switched it a couple of times, but we had, everybody got hurt. We, we won our first three games. We were nationally ranked and we lost our last eight. <laughs> we, and when you're losing, nobody passes. So, so I'm, I'm a pass rusher and they're just running the ball. <laughs> so it was a, it was a tough situation for me, but Chris Hinton played for Northwestern at that time. And, uh, I got to play against Chris. Uh, Chris was the Broncos' first pick that year. He's the guy they traded for Elway. Yeah. And I had a couple sacks and had a, you know ate him up all game long. And they're like, well, if he, this guy's still here in the twelfth round, maybe, maybe we should maybe we should draft him. So so I ended up up here. So how was it for you to win over the locker room? That that's a great question because there's a challenge there when you're playing everybody else's position. When, when they think the ball's going at, at somebody else's spot, so they move me over there, that's a touchy situation. And I, and I had to be aware of that. I had to be, I had to be humble about it. I, I had to uh, make sure that everything I did and said around the team and in, in the locker room, on the field, uh, was directed at this is for the team. This is what we're doing. Um, it's, you know, once again, it's not my decision. It's the uh, it's the coach's decision, and I'm, I better make the play if I'm going to be put in your position, right? I'm going to do everything I can to make that play. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and I guess you're in the Ring of Fame. Elway's in the Ring of Fame as well, and then there's a number eighteen that's in the Ring of Fame. His name's Peyton Manning. You may have heard of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now. In the same way that Elway is in the front office, he's he's in uh, he's in a high level position. Can you one day see Peyton Manning being involved with the Broncos, maybe in a maybe a front office or maybe even in a potential ownership position in the future? I think it's possible. Peyton is a is a very bright guy, a great football mind, a guy who uh, I really appreciated what he did when he came to Denver. The Colts had given up on him. I mean, he had a broken neck, had a couple surgeries on it had some numbness in his hands. Uh, they, they, they were done. And Peyton came here and really revived this, this organization uh, and, and brought it back in you know, a couple of Super Bowl trips and, and a Super Bowl championship. He's an interesting cat in that his success, he contributes to, the, uh, to decisiveness too. Mm-hmm. I remember him going back uh, for his uh, – retirement speech and, and he went back to it over and over and over again nobody's going to out prepare me nobody's going to out prepare me and that's what decisiveness is about it, it's it's being prepared understanding what's coming and allowing yourself to go i think there's a lot of players who understand what's coming but they they just don't let themselves go they're they're afraid to make mistakes uh, once again that can be applied anywhere business wise uh, family wise whatever if you if you know what to do do it <laughs> especially on the football field cuz doing nothing is never right well yeah if you do nothing you get flattened exactly exactly <laughs> no, but, I, but even if you're just a, a half a second late you get flat yeah that's, that's it that's the difference timing and decisiveness now i want to ask one last question cuz i noticed that you crossed paths with the defensive dynamo that was Wade Phillips as he was head coach, I believe, when you played. Yeah. What was, he, what was his defensive schemes like? Yeah, Wade was a defensive coordinator for, for a while too for us before he switched to coach, uh, before they moved him up. And Wade, Wade was very different than Joe Collier. Joe Collier was a kind of a mad scientist, willing to try all kinds of stuff, play guys out of position, move guys around. 
uh, just try to try to get them in a, in a situation where they're gonna gonna shine where Wade's whole approach was I'm gonna get the best athletes I can on the football field I'm gonna put them in a simple defense we played cover two probably 80 percent of the time and let them use their skill sets that was Wade Wade was uh, it wasn't complicated but he he uh, he was more of a technique coach at that standpoint that I'm going to try and out coach you coach where I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put in something you've never seen and, and, and try to beat you that way. So, so very different, but both very effective. Right. And do you think we'll see Wade back in the league? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, if, if he wants to be, yeah, his situation, he went out there to LA and his, uh, his grandkids are out there. So he was, he was excited to, to go out there. I remember talking to him before he went out and, uh, and yeah, he was, he was really excited to go out there and, and be with his daughter and, and her kids. And, you know, I, I don't know if he, if he wants to get back in the league, but if, if he does, that would be a great, great catch for somebody. Wade is a, a guy that understands uh, much more about football than anybody else I've ever I've ever met. Uh, just really a, a bright guy and a guy that uh, is a great evaluator of talent. Uh, and he's going to get some good players on the team and, and once again put them in a simple defense, let them let them play the game. There's no weaknesses there. When you overload everything like we did under Joe Collier, there's always the chance that a team might figure you out and go where you, where you're not, because <laughs> we were all in, we were all overplaying whatever whatever your tendencies were, uh, and that's not how it worked with Wade. All right, there we go. Now, Carl, before we let you go, can we get a bold prediction for you for the Orange Crush this season? Wow. I'm not going to give you a wins and loss prediction, but I am going to give you this is going to be a much more competitive team than we've seen in a long time. This team has the personnel, especially defensively, to to, to play with anybody. I, I like the team a lot. I like what I've seen from Teddy Bridgewater. I've actually seen more from him than I expected. His ability to scramble and move around and, and make plays happen when, when the play breaks down is something that I was unaware of, and it really allowed the team to win the first two games. I mean, he, he made some, some great plays just on, on that ability to move and, and uh, play it by ear, which is not what I was told coming in. I, I was told he's steady Teddy, he's just going to dump it off if there's trouble. I think he's had more deep passes than anybody in the league at this point. He's throwing it all around. So it's a fun team. Uh, it's a team that's going to play a lot of close games and going to be a defensive team. Going to hold teams down, and if, if they don't score, it's hard to lose. <laughs> so that's that's the I think the approach that uh, that Coach Faggio has. Yeah, related to the defensive side, I think healthy they could be the best defense in the league. Period. Yeah, I agree. And they need to play together, right? It's the the team has great individual personnel that has come from around the league and and as the season goes on, if they stay healthy, they're going they're only going to get better cuz they're going to know what the guy next to them is doing without looking. And that's that's the challenge in today's uh, world of free agency and, and so much movement between teams is, is you don't get that long-term relationship and understanding uh, between players that that needs to happen. And it has to happen pretty quick because uh, things are going to come at them, right? They've got the Jets and then <laughs> then they've got some, some tough teams coming after that. So they've got a great setup for a young team or a team that's uh, not used to playing with each other and that they've got three not as challenging teams to play at the start. But that, that page will turn quickly. Were you happy with the selection of Patrick Sertain the second in draft? 
Yeah, I was. The The draft is uh, a crapshoot at best. I understand that uh, that Patton has has known that family for years and knows the character of the player. And, and you can just turn on film and see that he's a he's a great athlete, obviously coming up with uh, with as many plays at the start of the year that he's already come up with. I think that uh, it was a great decision. Yeah. And hindsight looks brilliant, really, when it comes right down to it. But yeah, no, I appreciate talking with you, Carl. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah, and you can find Carl on Twitter and Instagram at Carl Mecklenburg. Carl, do you have anything else you wanted to share with our audience before we let you go? Sure. If anybody's interested uh, in learning more about my speaking business, they can go to my website. It's carlmecklenburg.com. I've got a book out, uh, Heart of a Student Athlete, All Pro Advice for Competitors and Their Families. Uh, you can find that on the website, and uh, it's a pleasure. It really is. I, I love talking football. Thanks so much for the opportunity to do that a little bit tonight. No worries. This episode was brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada.